you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Uh, have a seat. As I said, this is the uh, final in our January series on prayer, and I want to begin by talking to you about a Christian pop culture phenomena. It's not the Daniel diet. Who remembers the Daniel diet? <laughs> a few of you do. That was around. That was around. And this was around at a similar kind of time to the Daniel diet, but this actually was far more influential. Uh, this was a book that took an Old Testament passage, kind of obscure. It, it turned it into a book, and that book went viral. Uh, nine million copies in the first two years were sold of that book. It becomes, to this day, the 20th most published book ever with, from, uh, from a Christian perspective. And, unfor- oh no, it's not there, that's good. I was, I was hoping for a bit of that. I thought it might have been given away. Who knows what that book was? The Shack, incorrect, very close. Good, good try, sorry, I don't want to shame you. <laughs> it wasn't The Shack. What else? The Prayer of Jabez. Who's read The Prayer of Jabez? Uh, Out of interest, I think The Shack beats The Prayer of Jabez. I think it comes in at the 17th most popular book of all Christian uh, of all time. The Prayer of Jabez comes a little bit after that. A few of you have read it, but if you're around about the year 2000, this was a big deal. Everybody seemed to be reading The Prayer of Jabez. Now, today we're going to come to The Prayer of Jabez, not the book, right? The book is a bit of hit and miss. Some good stuff and some less good stuff. Read it if you like, but, you know, read it, spit out, eat the meat, spit out the bones. But we're coming to the Bible prayer of Jabez, and this is solid gold. And uh, I'm going to read it to you, and it's going to come from uh, book of First Chronicles, chapter 4. And the prayer of Jabez itself comes in verse 9 and 10. I'm going to read a little bit of exciting context around it so you get the picture, right? Here we go. Chapter 4, verse 1. The sons of Judah, Perez, Hezron, Kami, Hur, and Shobal. Riah, the son of Shobal, fathered Jahath, and Jahath fathered Ahumai and Lahad. These were the clans of the Zorathites. These were the sons of Etam, Jezreel, Ishma, and Idbash. And the name of their sister was Hazel Elponi. And Penuel fathered Gedor, and Ezra fathered Husha. These were the sons of Hur, the firstborn of Ephrath, the father of Bethlehem. Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Hala and Nara. Nara bore him Ahuzam, Hepha, Tamani, and Hashtarari. These were the sons of Nara. And it goes on a little bit. Now I'll go to verse 9. <laughs> Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Chilub, the brother of Shua, fathered Mehir, who fathered Ashton, Ashton fathered Beth, Rapha, Pisah, and Tehina, the father of Ian, and it goes on. Now, 
Um, one important thing to take away, if you ever have to do a reading like this, just say it with confidence and nobody has the slightest idea whether you're pronouncing it. I, I've, I've stood me in good stead over the years of pastoral ministry. But um, as, as we come to that, I, I deliberately read either side of that prayer of Jabez because there's a really important context that you'll miss if you just go straight to the prayer. And it's this. Uh, the prayer of Jabez comes out of a problem. In fact, it comes out of two of them. And the first one is the fact that Jabez, in this genealogy of father to son, Jabez has a conspicuous problem in that his father is conspicuous by his absence. Jabez is the only one in this genealogy, as you read through the, the, the line of Judah, whose father is not mentioned. Why? Well, we actually don't know. Now, there's several reasons that commentators suggest might be the case for this. It might be that Jab this is during the time of Judges. Jabez lived. It was a time of war and instability. You can read the book of Judges for yourself, and you can see some of the things that were going down. So a lot of the commentators think that maybe Jabez was fathered in war through rape by a foreign soldier. That's why his father is not mentioned. Um, there are other explanations no one really knows. Maybe his father was killed in battle. And so by the time it comes to Jabez, it's insignificant because his father's been dead from even before his birth. We, don't, we just don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, but what we do know is that there's something significant in the fact that his father is not listed. Uh, not having a father today can be a, a very significant problem, getting a start in life. We know that just by looking at the at the, the evidence of the, the studies in our society of the, of the difficulties that, that children without fathers encounter, even more so in that time. You didn't have a father, that was a problem. But Jabez has got a second problem, and it's big as well, and that problem is his name. Um, the name that you called your child, if you have a child, it mattered, didn't it? Uh, I remember all sorts of arguments and agonies and discussions uh, about what names we would call our five children. And if you have children, or maybe grandchildren, you, you, you will know, as, as if you've got grandchildren, you're helpless in the, in the choice of names. But if you're a parent, you know that you really struggle with it, and you want, to, you want to give your child a name that's significant. And maybe you want to give them a name that means something. Um, all of our children's names mean something. Now, there are some unfortunate names. Um, I went to school, um, this is no joke, I went to school with a lovely uh, young woman called Susanna Flay. Um, yeah, think about that. Yeah. You think about Sue Flay? Yeah, anyway. There's, there's a lot of unusual, that's no jokes. Um, Rob Morrow called his daughter Chu, T-U, as in tomorrow, you know, like, uh, this is my favorite though, Jermaine Jackson. I don't even know who Jermaine Jackson is, but anyway, who knows who Jermaine Jackson is? Some of us, oh, oh yes, that's right, I do know, yes, I do know. Jermaine Jackson called his daughter Jer Majesty. I don't know how you'd like to be Jer Majesty Jackson, but anyway, um, in the Hebrew culture, names were far more significant because you didn't just call someone something because it sounded nice, you called the name of your child, it, that name would define them. The biblical idea of name, it would aspirationally define who you wanted them to be, but also who they were. Names were incredibly significant in that culture. And Jabez has a problem. Verse 9, listen. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, 
because I bore him in pain. So Jabez's name means pain. Now, um, I've been, I've had a first row seat to pain uh, during five childbirths, and let me tell you, there, there were times in the most severe contractions when my hand was really suffering. I know about the pain of childbirth firsthand. But the circumstances of Jabez's birth seem to have been unusually painful. And this could be, again, we're speculating, we don't know, this could have been because he was born in rape or born from rape. And so when Jabez's mother came to childbirth, there was all of this additional angst that was surrounding the birth. That could be the case. It could be that just his birth was just incredibly painful. And at the end, Jabez's mother goes, right, as mothers have a good way of doing, I'm going to get revenge on you, pain. And she calls his name Jabez, pain. Now, you and I probably missed the import of that, but in that culture, every time they heard the word Jabez, imagine in kinder, you know, like Jabez's teacher says, pain, yeah. you know, Jabez, you little pain, you know, like that, that, that surrounded his life. He, had, he didn't do anything to earn that name, but he got given it. And the fact that he hasn't got a father that we know of, that he has a name that means pain, means that Jabez's existence born into a world, is one of pain and problem. And in one way, we each can relate to Jabez, can't we? Uh, there is perhaps a person here who has no problems and has no pain. Um, if that's the case, just hang on. Probably tomorrow you'll discover uh, what the real world is like. But Pain and problems are, I mean, well, the Dread Pirate Roberts, in, I've been quoting a lot from the Dread Pirate Roberts recently in sermons from the, the classic film, The Princess Bride. He said, life is pain, highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. And there's truth in that. Uh, you and I, are, like Jabez, we're familiar with problems in our life and we're familiar with pain. And the pain and the problems we face are mental, they're physical, they're emotional, they're spiritual, they're relational, they're financial, they're circumstantial, they're geographical, you, you, you name them. There are many problems. And if we, get, if we gathered them all together here, they'd be an immense bucket of problems and an immense bucket full of pain. And that's also true of us as a church community, true of us individually, but as a church community um, on Tuesday, wasn't it? Tuesday? Yes, it was. We, we had a, a staff training day here at church, and, and you know, I'm a one-trick pony, and I was looking at thinking about this passage, so I thought I'd speak on this passage as well uh, for our, our staff development training. And, and one of the, when we started, we asked the staff, what are some of the things that as a church community you think we feel pain in, maybe as a staff member or as a, you know, within our church? And we had the whiteboard up, and people started writing stuff down, and it, it ended up being quite a long list. There were, there were things like the, the problem of COVID and the pain that, 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 is, that is brought. Um, there was the, the pain of seeing uh, relationships that were weakened or the destructive influence of sin on the lives of people. A, a church staff get a first-hand front row seat of some of the, the, the way sin works out and the pain and destruction it causes. There was the pain of seeing people drift away and, and feeling helpless, drifting from Jesus and from their faith. Um, there's the pain of seeing others deconstructing and, and turning away. And there's the, the helplessness that comes often as a, a, as a staff. We don't know what to do. 
How do we, how do we stop this or how do we um, speak into this? And there were many other things on that board too. And it shouldn't surprise us uh, that you have a bucket full of problems and pain and that as a church community, you bring that bucket full of problems and pain, you put them together. And as a church community, we've got a bucket full of problems and a bucket full of pain. Shouldn't surprise us. Um, we often think that God owes us an easy life. But, but actually, even Jabez's situation here is, there's an echo of the reality of the, the existence that we live in. You know, think back to Genesis chapter three. God creates a world that is perfect and beautiful, a world with no problems and no pain. And then Genesis three talks about what happens in our world. And in Genesis chapter three, as man and woman Eve and Adam rebel against God, God comes to them, and you might remember, and he says, because you have done this, Adam, the soil is cursed because of you. Thorns and thistles and sweat. Your work will be cursed. And then he turns to Eve, and what does he say? Eve, the enduring sign of this curse under which you live and the brokenness of this world which you've caused will be that I will greatly increase your pain in childbirth. And even in Jabez here in, in First Chronicles, we see an echo of that all the way back to Genesis 3. Jabez born in pain. And, and Jabez's pain and the pain of Genesis chapter 3, it's a reminder that there's another problem, another pain that we each have. And that is our, our relationship with God. We live in a world which original sin is the term you might have heard, something you didn't contribute to, something that happened long ago, but yet something that influences you from the moment that you're born and probably before. You and I are born into a world of brokenness and pain. We didn't do anything to create it in one sense, but that's where we are. And that brokenness is not just looking at other people. At least for me, I look in my heart and go, I am not who God wants me to be. I fall so far short. I don't love God with my whole heart. I don't love my neighbor as I should. And we sense this, this brokenness and this pain and this separation. And, and we know in our hearts and we read in Scripture that we're each destined to die once and then to face judgment. And we also know that the wages of sin is death. We live in a world with problems, and we live in a world of pain. Just like Jabez did, none of us are exceptions to that rule. So that's the first part of the prayer of Jabez. It's the problem of pain. But this is where it gets really exciting. Because now we see what Jabez does with his problem. And what he does with his pain. Verse 10. Jabez called upon the God of Israel. Jabez, in the midst of his pain and his problems, he, he calls to a person, right? He calls out to a person. He calls to the God of Israel. Uh, Jabez, as he, as he carries his pain and as he struggles with his problems, and he's on the wrong side of the tracks of life, he looks up and he calls upon the name of the God of Israel. What does it mean to call upon the name of the God of Israel? To call upon the name of the God of Israel means that he prayed, right? He prayed. He spoke to God. He called on him. He used his voice, maybe figuratively, certainly in his heart. He called to the God of Israel. And this is what he prays, verse 10. 
Listen to this. This is the prayer of Jabez. This is what he prays. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory, my border, and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. He comes to the God, he comes to person and he says, I need help and here's four things that I need. You notice what he says? Number one, oh, that you would bless me. Uh, Jabez calls out of his position of pain. We don't know all the circumstances, but the problems that he faced. And he looks up and he says, bless me. Bless me. It's a good prayer, right? Bless me. I, want, I feel like I live in a world where the frown is upon me, where there's clouds of darkness everywhere. And I want to see you smile. God of Israel, smile on me. Bless me. Bless me, bring me good. Then he prays, enlarge my border. Or it can be translated, extend my territory. He says, give me more territory, more border. Now, in that context of which he's speaking, he probably doesn't have much territory. He's, he's without a father, we don't know if he has any allocation. Any inheritance in God's covenant people and the promises they receive. But he says, extend it, enlarge it. Um, that was literally, give me more territory, physical, geographic territory, also metaphorical. Give me, give me a place in your promised land. Give me a place with your people. Then thirdly, he says, that your hand might be with me. He says, bless me, extend my territory and your hand with me. And what he's saying is, if that's gonna happen, God's hand has gotta to have to be with him for that to happen. And the reason is that, remember this is the time of judges? So when Jabez says, enlarge my territory, he's not saying, oh, would someone just leave me something in their will and it just happens to come to me. I did nothing really, it just came. The territory that he wants enlarged is probably still occupied by the enemies of God by the nations that are living in the promised land. So Jabez says, enlarge my territory and I need your hand with me because I'm gonna to have to fight. Probably he's gonna to have to take that territory like Caleb and like the others that we read of in that period of history in the judges. He's gonna to have to fight for it. He's gonna to have to take risks. And so he prays, I need your hand with me. And then finally he prays that you would keep me from harm so it might not bring me pain. And you're like, it was pretty good, Jabez, until then. Like, sounds a bit selfish. Lord, you know, extend my territory, bless me, your hand with me, and I, I don't wanna suffer any harm or pain. And he's like, come on, Jabez. You know, like, that's a bit soft. But, but his prayer in the context, it can be also translated, by the way, that I may not cause pain or that I may not experience pain. It's one of those Hebrew words which can, can translate either way. But his prayer is actually, if you think about it, what does his name mean, pain? Carrying that burden, he's basically saying, give me a new name. I live in this world of problems and pain. Take that away from me, God. May that not be true of me. My name may mean pain. My mother gave me that name. May that not be true of my life. Instead, take my name away and give me your blessing. That's Jabez's prayer. He comes to God with problem, in the midst of problems and pain and he asks for help. He calls upon the name of God. And you know, the application, the obvious one for us in a series of prayers, is how could we do any different? I, I don't know, actually, I do know some of the problems that 
some of you face. I do know some of the ingredients that go into your personal bucket of pain. Many of you, though, I, I don't have the slightest, but you know. You know the problems that are facing you right now. You know the pains that you experience. And let me tell you, the world will tell you, well, you need the perfect self-help book that's just been published. You need to read that. You need to listen to this podcast. This guy will explain everything for you. You, you need to just tweak this and tweak that. Go and see a psychologist. And, and, and I'm not saying that these things are always unhelpful, but I am saying that they're not a Christian response fundamentally, right? They are, they are and on the tangents, yeah, go and see a psychologist. They're really helpful. Uh, Don said that the other week, really encouraging. There's lots of, read the self-help book, learn about how the world works. All those things are good, but that's not where it starts. By definition, actually, a Christian is someone who has faith in Christ. And, and when we face the problems and the pain of life, we've got to go there first. Jabez's example is a good one. Call upon a person. And you and I have an advantage that Jabez didn't have. Jabez lived in a time in the revelation of God's story of grace in his world where he didn't know a lot about the God of Israel. He knew something. He, you know, he, he could read Joshua and the stories of Exodus and that God was real, but you and I have so much more information. You and I don't come as maybe Jabez did saying, would you please bless me? Would you please extend my territory? Would you give me a new name? We come on the other side of Jesus Christ and we know that what does Jesus means? Saviour. That God has sent Jesus into the world and you and I right now, and I need to remind myself of this not just tell you, because I need to remind it every day in the midst of problems and of pain and of disappointments that I have someone who was walking with me and promised he would never leave me or forsake me. I have someone in the person of Jesus who, who goes, oh, this pain must be really hard you're experiencing. I've got no idea what it's like. Oh no. We have one in Jesus who, who carried the burdens you carry who experienced the pain that you experience and all of the problems in, the, in various ways and coming to you, that they, they, he's not unfamiliar with them. But we experience someone who, who dies on the cross and then is raised to life and says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you every step of the way. You're not alone. Call on me. Yeah, and that's one of the interesting things. Call on the name of Jesus. Uh, the New Testament says we should boldly approach the throne of grace to receive help, grace in our time of need. Now, sometimes I think as Christians, we think like, I don't want to bother God. Um, it's a little bit like maybe your dad's really busy when you're a kid. And my dad was a farmer. Um, so maybe he was doing something really, and I, I got into some sort of trouble. And I was like, oh, he's too busy. He doesn't, I don't want to bother him because he's got other more important things to do than listen to me. But when you're a dad, well, sometimes you actually you do feel like that. You shouldn't. But, but when you're a dad and your son or your daughter comes to you and asks you for something that you can give to help them, you want to do it. And actually, it's a, like it's a moment when the, your kid's stuck on the playground and they go, Dad, help. And you don't feel like, oh, I can't believe they're asking for me help. Look at the, look at the you know, get sorted. Like you, you, you reach out your arms and you, you want them to, to jump into them because that is actually expressing who you are as a father. You want to care for them. You want to nurture them. And in the same way, when Jesus says, come to me when you're weak and heavy laden, come to me and you'll find rest, he's saying, that's actually an act of faith. 
that honors me. What doesn't honor God is pretending that, or even thinking in the back of your mind that he's no use. So go to the self-help book and the psychology and all the rest of the stuff, but not God. That doesn't honor God. Call on the God of Israel. Call on Jesus Christ who was come before you and asks you to. There's so much to see there. And, and think also of this prayer, enlarge my territory. If you have read the prayer of Jabez, this was a major point of that, that book. And it can be overplayed. I think sometimes we think enlarge my territory. And I think I know what God's asking me to do now. He's asking me to pray for more money. He's asking me to give, increase my real estate portfolio. He's asking me to, whatever it might be. And I wanna say that that could be exactly the prayer that you should pray. Maybe you're coming to God and asking for, for more money is a divinely anointed move of the Spirit in your heart. God wants you to have more money. He wants you to have more real estate portfolio, perhaps. But the question to ask is, why? The book of James says often we don't have because we don't ask and we don't get because we ask with the wrong motives to spend it on ourselves. Jesus said, no, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek it first, the kingdom of God. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? It means to seek the growth of the kingdom of God, right? God's kingdom. Knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. God's kingdom in the world, seek that first. And Jesus said, all the other stuff, that'll be added to you. But seek first the kingdom of God. So when we think about praying that prayer, enlarge my territory, enlarge my boundaries, it could be that yes, God wants you to have more money and more real estate and more influence, whatever it might be, because he wants you to use that to help enlarge his territory. And your desire to pray that is not so that I can have the yacht and not that I can have whatever it might be, but that I can see God's kingdom. And there are people in this world, some of whom I know, who are extraordinarily used in the kingdom of God because they are extraordinarily generous with the extraordinary generosity God has poured on them. So maybe that's your prayer. For many others of us, the prayer might be, Lord, extend my territory at work. Extend the boundaries of it. Uh, many of us work in workplaces where we might be the only Christian. Extend my territory. It might be a prayer you say, Lord, I want, this year, 2023, I wanna be used by you in my work. And I just mean doing a good job. That's very important. But I mean, give me opportunities to speak about what really matters with somebody. Extend my territory at work. Extend the boundaries. Might this be a year when I can, I can be such a light in my workplace that others are pointed towards you? Extend my territory in my workplace. Maybe it's extend my territory in my family. Family's going off the rails. Seems like there's so many needs and problems. Lord, I'm here with my family. This is, can you please extend my territory this year? Push the boundaries back. Give me more ability, more agency, more influence in my family. Maybe it could be, it could be any number of things in my community. This world has got so many problems, not just us. The world is full of problems. Jesus came as a light into the world and his people are transformed. So Lord, extend my territory to make a difference. That's a good prayer. Extend my territory to care for those who need care, to reach out to those who are broken. Extend that territory, Lord. Give me opportunities to do that. 
Push back the boundaries. Those are good prayers. Uh, maybe in your gospel community, the, the, the small group within the church environment, you pray, Lord, extend my territory there. Grow us in number. Grow us in depth. Use me in that environment. Extend my territory. We could go on and on and on. There are so many different things that we could ask God for. And it's a good prayer. I'm convinced of it. It's a prayer of faith. Uh, William Carey, who was the great missionary to India, you all heard this. I'm sure I've quoted it many times before. He said, ask great things from God. Expect great things of God and then attempt great things for God. See what he's saying? Ask. God's a big God. There's no prayer that you can pray as you think of extending your boundaries, which is beyond God's ability to do. So ask big and then expect big and then act. Step out in faith. It honors him. And once again, not just your life, for us as a church community. That's the same thing. And look, we've got problems as a church community. We always have and we always will this side of eternity. There are a wide variety of problems. There's a, there's a wide variety of pain that come with the problems. That I give you a couple. Um, one of them is that we're no longer a church plant, really. That was 10 years ago. We, we have lots of people coming and how do we connect people in? I mean, if you're one of those people who are new at the start of 2023, how do we love you? How do we connect you in? How do we make sure that you, you, we don't just grow in breadth, but we grow in depth? Discipleship, that's, that's a big challenge. How do we ensure that the people, you, those who are at home, those who are not here and there'll be the other services throughout the day, how do, we, how, do, what, how do we make it that you can flourish in your faith? Because that's the heart, to see you know God. Know Jesus and make Jesus known. How do we, that's a, it's a challenge. Um, there's always a perennial challenge for our church in terms of finances. And it's a good problem. I'll tell you why it's a good problem, because there are so many opportunities we have to step out in faith. And we, we're, we're always looking for opportunities to plant churches or to, to reach out and see change in our community. Or to, There's so many different areas. We have new leaders coming through, and it's wonderful to see some of the leaders on the next generation God is entrusting with us. How do we send them out? How do we support them? How do we train them? How do we find the finances to do all of that stuff? It's a perennial challenge. Um, I think another perennial challenge for us is the challenge of, of reaching out into the world, right? Um, it's very easy at this stage of a, a church life to go, hey, we've we got some good numbers and we've got a good feel and we've got lots of kids out there and we've got youth here and we've got programs to serve different people and those are good things. But we never, the problem is that, that we might get complacent and lose the, the reality that the fields are white under harvest. You know what Jesus said? He says, that means there's a whole bunch of people out there who don't yet know the love and the grace of God. And to sit here in a little circle of light and to just soak it up, there's something foundationally wrong with that. That's a problem that we face. It's a need that we continue to see. There's lots of them. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that as a church? Why? Well, we could go to conferences and we could learn about strategies and systems and we could speak to other people who have done systems or strategies or tweak this and tweak that. And, and you know, all we could... We could just go, oh, actually, we've got a trickle of new believers. That's fantastic. Let's just keep, you know, keep, keep doing the same thing. 
And conferences and strategies and books, nothing wrong with them, but they're secondary, aren't they? First, where do we go? Jabez called on the name of the God of Israel. We call on Jesus Christ because there's power in his name and because as people, we can spend our whole lifetimes trying to build a building and it will flop unless the Lord builds the house. Unless God is in the work of this church people, then then we will fail. Then it will become a human edifice built on personalities and and on gimmicks and strategies. That's not what we're in about. That's not worth living for. What we need to do as a church community at the start of every year, and we do it at the start of every year, is we need to get on our knees and go before God like Jabez did and said, yeah, we've got a whole bunch of problems. And you could reframe them as challenges if you like. They're the same thing, really. But we've got a whole lot of opportunities. But we need help. We need your hand. Bless us. Extend the territory. Don't let us cause harm. Help us deal with our pain. Bless us, Lord. That's the prayer of Jabez, and it's a good prayer for us to play as a church, and we're doing it in the next week. Don mentioned that tomorrow uh, the pastors were going away to fast and to pray and to wrestle with God on these things. And yeah, we'll do some strategic planning. And we'll do some, you know, trying to think, what would God have us do? But most of all, we're coming to God on our knees saying, help. And can I ask that you would join us in that? Um, Not physically, because the accommodation's a bit small, uh, but that you would spiritually join us. Pray that your church would be doing what Jesus wants his church to do this year. Can you pray? That's the most wonderful thing you can do. So what I'd encourage you to do on Tuesday and Thursday morning, uh, you'll see on the church email on Monday, there'll be a Zoom link. We're gonna pray from 7.30 to 8. And we're just gonna be praying that God would be guiding us. Tuesday and Thursday this week, prayer. On Zoom, half an hour, pretty easy, before work starts for most of us be great to see you there, but that will be right on the bang, the half hour, just coming to God. And then on Monday and Wednesday, uh, as church leaders, as pastors, we're going to be fasting before God. It's it's one way of of saying to God in more than just, look, we, we really need you more than we need food. We need you as a church community. You might like to join us in that fasting on Monday and Wednesday. Just coming before God asking for him to bless, yeah, your problems, your needs, and also the needs of our church. And then on this Monday, Monday week, tomorrow week, we're gonna gather for our monthly prayer night and we're gonna come to God with that increased urgency, that heightened expectancy. We're gonna be asking God for his hand upon us, City on a Hill, Geelong, this year, 2023. So those are some practical ways. If you go, Andrew, the church should be doing this and this and this. Well, come and pray. <laughs> come and pray. We should be doing more. We've got these ideas. Come and pray. Don't just talk. Come and pray. Come and be part of the solution. Come to God in prayer. That's the prayer of Jabez. If you go and read the book now, you'll see the book had a slightly different emphasis. But I think this is, this is God's word. And there's gold here. And what I'm going to do is we... We, in, a, in a moment, we're going to move and we're going to have communion together. We're going to remind ourselves that Jesus is with us even to the end of the age. But before we do that, I'm going to get practical. And this is going to be confronting, perhaps, for some of you. But I'm going to go through several areas and I'm going to ask that if this is you, that there's a problem, there's pain, 
that you would stand and receive and then let us call on the God of Israel for you together. Now, I know it's confronting. Some of us are like, oh, people will wonder what problem I might have or they might wonder what pain I'm experiencing or people might think, people are not gonna think this is a family. It's a little chance for us all to pray for you. So the first thing is, is if you have pain, this might be physical pain that's debilitating, it might be relational pain, it might be an emotional pain that, that you're already aware of, the Spirit's already said, you know exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> and it seems intractable. And as 2023 begins, it's like, whatever that pain is, it's overwhelming and you just feel it. And, and, I, and I said, I'm just gonna ask that you, you stand. We're not having any music, it's just, because this is just a chance for us to pray for you. If you don't stand, um, you, you will still pray for you, but you just won't be able to pray with that targeted intensity that we're gonna do now. Very simple. So if that's you, would you stand and the rest of us are gonna pray for you right now. Awesome. Well done. It's a lot of men. <laughs> we, we have a lot of problems and women too. All right. Uh, the rest of you, if you're near someone that's carrying this pain, you, you might just gesture with your hand towards them. You might just know, God, you know where I'm pointing. But let's, the rest of us, and if you're standing there, you pray too, but just, just bask in the fact that together your church is coming on your behalf to pray for your pain. Let's pray. Father, as we see these men and women standing before us now, you know the pain. You know the hurt. You know the reality of that in the dark of the night. Lord Jesus, we come before you. You said that when two or more gather in the midst, you're there in the midst of us. You're there now. You're in the midst of us, Lord Jesus. And we pray that, that right now, if we could see it, that you would move to each one of these people, that you would put your hand on their shoulders. You would say, come to me when you're weak and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. And Jesus, as your people here, we pray that you would strengthen our brothers and sisters who feel this pain. We pray, Lord, that you would surround them with your love. Holy Spirit, the encourager, would you encourage, you walk alongside them and thank you for their courage to stand this morning and we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, the pain that they feel would be turned to you, that it would be transformed into beauty, that, Lord, they would come to see now or maybe for in eternity at least that you are working in this pain that you are with them, you have never left them or forsake them. And we pray you do it, Lord Jesus, because you love them. And we pray you do it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Would you guys have a seat? I'm gonna ask now that if you've got a problem, and maybe uh, some of you will stand twice, it's up for you. you why wouldn't you get more prayer? Um, but if you've got a problem, there's, there's a particular area in your life and you don't know what to do about it. It's, it's a big thing, it could be financial, it could be relational again, it could be emotional, it could be job related, it could be, there, there are any of that bucket of problems that you've got and you've got right now, yeah, I do have a problem. Would you stand, because I just love to pray for you on behalf of our church that God would guide you in the resolution of that problem, whatever it might be. So if that's you, would you stand? All right, let's come to God and pray that God would resolve whatever these problems are. Let's do it together in faith, church. 
Father, um, you told us, Jesus, you told us that in this world we would have problems. <laughs> and Lord, we have problems. But you also told us that take heart because you have overcome the world. And so, Lord Jesus, we pray for these brothers and sisters and the problems that they experience right now. You know them. Maybe they're, they're difficult and intractable problems. Maybe they're problems that have been around for a long time. Maybe they're problems which weigh them down heavily. Uh, Lord, you know what these problems might be. But Lord, you, you tell us to, to cast our cares on you because you care for us. You urge us to call upon the name of the Lord. And so, Lord, we are doing that on behalf of our brothers and sisters who are standing here now. Lord, you are our God who is the problem solver. You solve the great problem of our separation from you and Jesus Christ, and you will solve every other problem. You will go before us, making the way. And Lord, we pray that these uh, brothers and sisters would know the truth, that you're with them, that you have never forsaken them, that you are uh, guiding them and directing them, that, that Lord, whatever that problem is, as they lift it before you now, we as your people say, amen. Guide them, direct them, lift that problem from them, or if you will not, then transform it for your glory. Give them the strength to carry it. But Lord, we ask it because we are so weak, but you are so strong in the name of Jesus. Amen. Brothers and sisters, have a seat. Last one. The last one is this. As I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit has been saying, I need to pray that you'd extend my territory. I need to pray and own it that not go away and forget. But the Holy Spirit is saying to you, there's an area in your life where you need to extend the territory, where God wants you to step out in faith. He wants you to take some land. He wants to go with you. He wants you to take some risks. This could be personal, in, in something, a relationship, or it could be in a job-related thing. It could be in the future. Who knows what it is, but you know, because God has touched you and said, extend the, extend the territory, pray that prayer. So if that is you, would you also stand, and it'll be a final time, we'll pray that God would indeed guide you. Ah, oh, so good, isn't it, to pray for another? All right, church, those of us who are seated, let's close our eyes, let's stretch out, and let's pray for these brothers and sisters. Lord, extend their territory. Push back the boundaries. Lord, we pray in faith that, that you are a God who wants us to call on your name. You are a God who, who calls us to have a confidence in you, that you're working in our world, that we're not always on the defensive, that we're not always pushed back, but you call us to step out in faith, even in a world that is difficult. And Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come and we ask for your anointing on these brothers and sisters who are standing now. They are praying enlarge their territory. And Lord, we pray that you would say, amen, so be it. Lord, we pray that as they seek to enlarge their territory, that you would give them the motives that are pure. May they be seeking your kingdom first in whatever this is you've laid on them. But Lord, we pray that as they step out in faith, you would go with them into the promised land like Moses. You're not just gonna send them, you're gonna go with them. And we pray, Lord, that you would do that, that whatever, that we might look back in years to come and see that this morning you sparked something in the lives of these men and women. So anoint them with your power, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, brothers, isn't that good? 
thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.